Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick, and this is David Smith, Yellow. the Executive Director of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. We have a part two guest today. This is part two follow-up with Dr. Mark Zumhagen, and uh, I hope he wet your whistle last week to learn more uh, about uh, his insights into the medical community and big pharma, and actually, it goes even deeper than that, um, his speech that he's going to give on October 14th at the Trinity Health Freedom Expo in Tinley Park is titled Dividing Truth, How We Lost Our Medical Freedom and How We Can Get It Back. And so, Mark, what I'd like to ask you to begin this part two is, what do you mean by dividing truth? Well, <laughs> there is a question. So this is this is sort of what uh, the let's call it a rabbit hole. Uh, if sure. you want to call it that, I, I had to do. Uh, other people might call it a deep dive. Um, I started with the idea of what is truth. Yeah. And actually, I discovered before I could answer that question, there was a deeper question, which was, uh, where do we get knowledge from? Mm. But actually, before I could answer that question, <laughs> I realized there was even a deeper question that I need to answer, and that is, what is ultimate reality? Mm. Because I've I found that that truth question actually was contingent, dependent upon how I answered what is ultimate reality. Okay. What is ultimate reality? Another way of asking that question is... Why is there something rather than nothing? Ooh, that's been asked before. Who's asked that question? Many philosophers, I think Sartre and many other philosophers, that's, that's considered maybe the foundational question of philosophy. Why is there something, something rather, rather than, than nothing? nothing? Interesting. And I realize that's not a question people lose a lot of sleep over, Typically, perhaps. Well, if but, you're searching, I mean, but if you're I found I found that that is that's sort of the basement level. Sure, you need to go to to understand what's happening, what happened the last three years, and I. It's a question that I I guess everybody should really ask because it really sets you on a quest. For like, why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? Yes. A question that we all need to ask. Absolutely. And there's a lot of despair in this world because they're not asking those questions. Right. So that's that's where my journey took me was to look at that question. Uh, there's four possible answers to the question. Okay. What is ultimate reality? Feel free to summarize <laughs> for us. And, and answer number one. <laughs> <laughs> answer number one is everything's an illusion and we're just uh, trapped in a matrix and everything we see is, is imaginary. Hmm. That's huh. one possibility. It's not a popular choice, I'll say. Okay. But it's one choice. Yeah, no, okay. The other choice is that in the beginning there was nothing – and from nothing came everything we see, came something. Yeah, no. It's sort of like a rabbit pulling itself out of the hat. <laughs> it's hard. But 
If you think really hard, maybe you can imagine that. Yeah, no, okay, okay. nope, nope. Okay, so that nope. was the first two. Yeah, first two are bad. Here's nope. number three. Okay. The universe is eternal and self-existent. In other words, the universe has always existed. And everything we see around us, the reason it's there is because it's always been there. It's eternal. We have an eternal universe. There's actually two forms to that viewpoint. One is that the universe is just a physical thing. The other is that the universe is divine. And that, in a sense, God isn't really a person, but there's a God force. energy or God presence that inhabits the universe. The force be with you. Yes, that's basically it. Okay. Okay, That's so reject, I'm going to reject that one, too. Okay. Although, interestingly enough, that was the mainstream view of science until 1960. No kidding. Yes. Wow. When uh, Einstein first came up with his theory of relatively, relativity early in the 20th century, that was the model that he was using to make his equations. He actually came up with equations that would have projected that the universe was expanding, yes, right. which means if you subtract back long enough, it had a beginning point. But he knew that that wasn't correct, so he, he introduced a constant into his equations to prevent that from being, uh, being exposed, Exco yeah, uh, yeah, being discovered. Right. And he said it was the greatest mistake of his career because later on, as he lived his life, science became uh, uh, more uh, clear it became clear through the scientific investigation that the universe was in, in fact expanding it wasn't static but okay so that's a little bit of a direction <laughs> so here's our fourth possibility there is an eternal god a personal god that has an infinite personal god that has created everything we see yeah those are your only four options I don't you know. know. It's, it's very, very limited. Now, obviously, uh, I'm a Christian. I know you are as well. Yep. And I find, um, obviously, the, the last option could be seen as being answered in other religious uh, systems, Judaism, Islam. Mm -hmm. But I find uh, it is best answered through the Christian worldview. But I'm not going to get into that detail just at the moment. But what I wanted to say is, um, they, uh, once you've answered that question, uh, and I believe answer is number four. I agree with you. Yes, yes. The other three um, are not really uh, right. The other feasible. Th other three aren't terribly feasible. No. Um, you are now in a position to go up to the next level and say, what are our sources of knowledge? Sure. And the sources of knowledge are either looking outward, that's scientific investigation, you're using your mind to investigate the world, measure things, do experiments, figure things out. We're looking outward. You can look inward, that's another source of, of, of information. Who am I? Uh, what are my beliefs? What are my thoughts? That's, uh, so looking inward is our second source of information, but actually, the beginning source of information, if we're using the, the ultimate reality that God is eternal and created everything, we have to ask ourselves, did that God who created everything, has he spoken to us? Mm -hmm. Has he, in fact, communicated with us? 
and through the Bible, we have an excellent uh, example that indeed he has. That's right. Um, so that is our third source of, of knowledge. This is a uh, whole— So let me just summarize real quick. Outward, inward, and upward. That's, a, that's exactly right. And the uh, whole study of the, 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 the uh, name that's given to this type of analysis is called epistemology. Okay. We're studying what is knowledge, what are our sources of knowledge. The reason this is important is because we live in a world that actually only looks at option three, which is the universe is eternal. Um, our scientific system, which was what I was trained going through public schools and going through college and going through medical school, was heavily based in the theory of evolution. There's an interesting history to science. I'll give you the two-minute uh, uh, review. The scientific revolution occurred in the 14th and 15th centuries. Copernicus, Galileo, Kepler, Boyle, uh, all these great scientists had one thing in common. Mm. They were all Christians. They all had a Christian worldview. Louis Pasteur. Louis Pasteur. Uh, so we're not, we're not going to him yet, although okay, right, I, I believe he had some Christian roots. Okay, sorry. But um, <laughs> we're still, we're see, you're getting into them. the 19th century. We're still, <laughs> you're about three centuries ahead of, <laughs> ahead of me here. So don't, don't rush this. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> you went to public school. <laughs> I'm just trying to show off. I know a name here, you know. <laughs> but I gave my uh, talk at Trinity Health Freedom Expo expounded on this idea that I'm talking about right now, but I want to encourage people to come this year. It, it, the description sounds like I might be talking about the same thing, but I'm going to the next level, and uh, I, I think you'll find it very enlightening, very interesting. But uh, the little preview here is I'm going to rehash some of the things I talked about last year. So basically, the, why did science develop in Western civilization? Because they believed in a God who created everything. They did view that fourth option. There was a creator who created everything. He was a lawgiver. So they said, let's look for laws in nature. We serve a lawgiver. I'll bet he put some of his laws in the natural world. And the, for the very first time, they used, you know, really had not been done to this level before. They used mathematical equations to discover and to describe what was happening around them, the movement of the planets. Uh, we saw the, the, the Earth being moved from the center of the universe, which was not a religious viewpoint. That was Aristotle had put it there, and, and Ptolemy. So we moved into the Copernican Revolution, which says now the sun is at the center of the universe. We, we have Kepler that describes the motions of the planets. We have Boyle that, does, that um, makes laws of chemistry. So at the end of that exercise, these great scientists didn't say, oh, I just figured everything out. Guess there is no God because I figured it out and I described it with mathematics. Therefore, we don't need God. They said exactly the opposite. They said, this is amazing. The, the heavens declare the glory of God. And, and wow, uh, this, is, this is amazing. And, and so they exalted God. 
And as a matter of fact, people feel that Newton wasted half of his life because he spent as much time trying to delve into the intricacies of God's word as he did making his scientific discoveries. And they, many people feel like, oh, if only he'd spent the whole life you know, studying science, he wasted half of his life. No, that's what drove him. It was his religious grounding that drove him to science. So these were great men, great minds, and then I'm coming up to your century. Yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> We're coming up to the 18th century, which is known as the Enlightenment. What happened in that age as we became more and more knowledge? What does the word say about knowledge? It puffs puffed up. up. Puffs exactly. Up. Yep. And we got very puffed up, and we began to say, you know what? Yeah, these laws really are explaining everything. I'm beginning to think, like, Maybe maybe God started things off, but he certainly doesn't need to be here anymore. He's probably off in the corner there somewhere. He wound the and, clock up. Yep, and so we had deism come into play. And as we know, many of our founding fathers were uh, deists. Yep. Uh, as a, you know, we, we think of our, Christ, our country as founded on a Christian worldview, and it certainly was, but many of the big minds that put it together were, were deists. But at least they did have God, and there, there was something in that. Um, but uh, what happened next, and here we go to the 19th century, around the time of Pasteur, but the big name in the 19th century isn't Pasteur, it's Darwin. Darwin, that's right. A and so we see what had happened with those earlier scientists. There's sort of three realms of science. There's physics, there's chemistry, there's biology. Those scientists had nailed physics and chemistry. They had laws. They had equations. They were explaining everything. And people were saying, yeah, all we need is those equations. I don't think we really need God for all this. But biology was its own field. Like, biology was weird. It was about life. And biology means the study of life. And it had creatures that were unpredictable. They didn't travel in a straight line at a given uh, uh, velocity, right? You couldn't explain what they were going to do next. And they looked so complex. William Paley famously said, you know, if I went along a beach and found a watch and said, man, this must be, it didn't form here arbitrarily. Now let's look at a creature. I mean, creatures are infinitely more complex than watches. Doesn't that scream that there's a creator? Or that Monty just lost it on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. Yeah. But Darwin came along and rescued them mm. because he said, you know what? I think given about four and a half billion years and I'm going to come up with a mechanism. There's some kind of variation that happens. He was breeding pigeons, and he saw, like, hey, you could get fluffy ones, big ones, small ones, you know, orange ones, purple ones, whatever. You could, there was a lot of varieties, and you could sort of selectively uh, get, get different, right, different varieties. And he said, I'm going to extrapolate. Given four billion of years, I think we could get the pigeon to turn into another species, another a creature. A dinosaur. Uh, Possibly. I think, it, I, think, I think it works the <laughs> other direction. I think the dinosaurs go into well, the pigeon. Well, yeah, that's what but, I mean. You're, you're, you're backwards there. But all he had to propose was a mechanism of how it could happen. So he came up with the idea of what he called natural selection rather than artificial selection, sure. which everybody could see. Okay, yeah, that happens. Now I'm going to suppose that with this force called natural selection, Oh, we have variations that occur. 
we have selective rates of dying. The unfit die, the fit survive. We could move things from amoeba all the way to man. And there, that was his, and it. And if, all you need is four billion years. If he, if, but here's the interesting, David. Even if they're, even if you give them four billion of years, it right. doesn't work. No, no, I know that. It doesn't work. But that's why they keep expanding, right? They keep pushing back that timeline. I think they're gonna. I think they've reached their limit. They have. Yeah, they've reached okay. their limit. They're, they're pretty sticking well, to their guns. Uh, the universe is uh, 15 billion. Earth is four billion, and and they're not gonna. Okay. They're not gonna deviate from that. But even those type of time scales don't allow things to happen in in. in no, and because we've learned that the human body, for example, every cell of our body is irreducibly complex. That's, that's and there's just absolutely no way we could have evolved. One of my favorite books that I've read when I was um, right out of high school um, was Tornado in a Junkyard. And it was basically the analogy is evolution is like a tornado going through a junkyard and assembling a fully functioning engine running 747. That's right. That's the probability. And that goes back to your math. Mm-hmm. The, you know, if we want to do math, you know, evolution is improbable. But I will tell you something interesting about evolution. It's a seductive idea. Because when you kick God out, yeah. you're God. Well, let's talk about kicking God out on the other side of the break here. In the previous podcast, you talked about how atheism is infiltrating all of our institutions. And I'd love to have you flesh that out a little bit, too. All right. This is Illinois Family Spotlight, our conversation with Dr. Mark Zumhagen, IFI board member, will continue after this. It's a big evening you don't want to miss. The Illinois Family Institute's Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet with best-selling author and nationally syndicated radio host Eric Metaxas. Friday, November 3rd at the Bolingbroke Golf Club. To attend, click events at IllinoisFamily.org. We're talking about religious freedom being constricted by the state. Will the church wake up and say, this is wrong? Eric Metaxas is the author of Bonhoeffer, Amazing Grace, and his latest book, Letter to the American Church, is a wake-up call for Christians to speak out and protect religious liberty. If you will speak up, things will change if we would but try. Eric Metaxas and the IFI Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet, Friday, November 3rd at the Bolingbrook Golf Club. To attend, click events at IllinoisFamily.org, IllinoisFamily.org. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick here along with David Smith. I'm still here. The Executive Director of the Illinois Family Institute, Illinois Family Action. We're joined by IFI board member, Dr. Mark Zumhagen. He's been practicing medicine since 1986. In 2009, he opened his own private practice in Orland Park called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. You're still around, Doc. Uh, I'm still practicing. And, and you, uh, someday I'll get it right. And you're very busy, right? <laughs> yes, extremely busy. That yeah. is good news because people want someone like Dr. Zumhagen to tell them the truth and guide them in natural ways that the body can heal, which is fantastic. Now, before we took our break, you alluded to the fact that atheism has been infiltrating all of our institutions. Yeah. That would include science 
and medicine. That's correct. What uh, Darwin did was he made a united front where we essentially kicked God out of physics, chemistry, and now biology because we had a mechanism that essentially said, well, life is sort of self-generating. It just moves along from amoeba to man. The science went from the realm, remember we were talking about the epistemology, you're That's looking right. outward. Be careful That's, how you say that. <laughs> the, science, the science realm Should looks, we bleep that out? looks no. outward. <laughs> science looks outward, but now the science said we look outward and that's all there is. Hmm. There is no divine presence. So we moved actually over the next 50, 60 years from deism to atheism. Atheism. Because God had been completely removed from our knowledge realm. Yeah, atheism without God. Without right? God, absolutely. So um, there, there are some interesting currents in science that have challenge that, um, but what I would say in terms of, I'll just give you my little personal uh, story. Um, Please do. <laughs> in high school, as I studied the theory of evolution, it made so much sense to me, and it made, it, it seemed to explain so many things about the way things worked and the way life functioned. I began to flirt with atheism. I was raised in a Christian home, but it seemed like I mean, if you want to be on top of things, you want to really be modern, you sort of have to, to leave religion behind. It's sort of a primitive notion. It may even be holding us back. And all these intellectual giants are saying this is it. Exactly. You were a free thinker. I was a free thinker. And um, as a matter of fact, nobody told me that uh, science had gotten started really because of the influence of Christianity, which we had just talked about. That's right. Um, one of my favorite quotes and, and uh, that, that sort of looks at this is from Richard Dawkins, one of the you know, very hard uh, atheists. Yeah. Atheism in about 2005 went to a new level where instead of just being um, on, on the existence uh, defense stage, it went on the attack. Mm -hmm. And many atheists became very vocal about their belief that not only was... Um, religion uh, useless, it was actually harmful. And so they became very militant, you could say, about saying, you know, if we really want to keep going here, we're going to have to get rid of religion. It's really holding us back. But this is one of my favorite quotes from Richard Dawkins. I do admire Richard Dawkins for this. He's incredibly honest, mm -hmm. and he's incredibly truthful in the way he analyzes the situation. Here's his quote. The universe we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. That is the world that we must live in if all there is is the physical world, if there is no God. And I admire him for that statement because... He nailed it. Yeah. If you don't have God, what's, why, what's your basis for not killing people? Well, you said good and evil, right? There is no good. There There's is no, no evil. evil. Because but you, we know there is good, and we yeah. know there is evil. Your moral compass comes from two possible places. One is God himself, yeah. who reveals it in his word. 
The other is God wrote his law in your, your heart. heart. That's right. In your heart. We, don't, we never carry out perfectly, which is why we need Jesus Christ. That's, an, that's another aspect of the story. But he is, in a sense, denies that, uh, that area of knowledge. And Francis Schaeffer and following him, Nancy Piercy, in their books, which I recommend to anybody out there, they're very... Um, insightful um, and I somewhat build on their work but I feel like maybe I can take it to the the, the, the level of, of today's uh, issues that we're dealing with but they talk about this idea that you essentially end up dividing truth you have your truth that you can measure and be sure about and then that's the lower story truth and that's the truth that has no good no evil no purpose blind, pitiless indifference. But you have an upper story truth. The upper story truth in, includes all your values, your love, your goodness, um, yeah. your beliefs, yeah. your, your religious beliefs. But what people have tried to do, and it, you can't do it without God, they've tried to get those two levels together. But since People like Dawkins say, well, science is the only thing that's really reliable. You have to take what they call a leap of faith into that upper story. It's like, well, I believe in God because it works for me. Or that may be true for you, but it's not true for me. So we're always arguing in that upper story from a standpoint of non-provability because it's not really a rational truth. Down in the, in the lower story, which is science, that's rational truth. We're just using our minds to figure everything out. But as soon as we go up into the upper story, we just have to, it's subjective. It's like, well, it's working for me, so, so that, that's how I'm living my life. God, uh, when we take into account divine revelation, God unites those truths together so we have a basis for love, a basis for um, our personhood, a basis for our humanity. The reason this is so important to understand is because, as we alluded to earlier, evolution is a seductive idea. And once we kicked God out of science, we took the next step. We we kicked him out of education and politics and law and all those realms of medicine. When we kick God out, we are not on neutral ground. No, we are in an alternate worldview. It's that third step that we talked about where the universe is eternal, but there is no God. But we are in Richard Dawkins' world where there is no good, there is no evil. So we can abort babies to do medical experiments. Because there's no evil. Right. And, and Right. And, and so... The, this leads us down a, a road that it, so this has happened before that, that we went too fast. We were talking about this earlier that uh, one of the reasons people awoke during the COVID era is because things went too fast. Yeah. There was another era okay. where things went too fast. And that's what your good speaker, Eric Metaxas, is going to be speaking about Highly recommend him. He's one of my very favorite speakers in the world um, for, the, for your uh, banquet coming up on November. November 3rd. November yep. 3rd. 
Um, Tickets are still available. <laughs> yes, there we go. There was another era where things went too fast, and that was Nazi Germany. Ooh. Ooh. Nazi Germany. Nazi Germany took the area of eugenics yeah. and took it to the next level yeah. and started experimenting on many people, many of them being Jewish, but others as well. Yeah, Poles, and blacks, right, yeah. Using them as less than human because atheism said they're just evil. There's no evil. And you're not made in the image of God. If we were going to put God back into science, this is the principle we would need to hang on to. You're made in the image of God. Can I suggest maybe there's another one they're going yes. too fast? What about the transgender nonsense going on? Are they going too fast on that as well? Because there seems to be significant pushback, especially um, with these so-called hormone treatments and surgeries, mutilating surgeries for children. Well, what I would say is that movement is part and parcel of what we're dealing with with COVID. Uh, the trans agenda is an upper story demonstration of forming your own truth, that is something that uh, takes some time to examine, but it does fit into this narrative that I'm talking about, dividing truth. Right. Evolution is your lower story uh, movement that is moving our society in a direction. That, um, as you heard from Richard Dawkins' uh, statement, that is an arena of despair. There is no hope. There is no purpose. There is no good. There, that's despair. And the main vehicle used to bring about uh, influence is fear. So on the lower story, we have despair and fear. Mm -hmm. With the trans uh, ideology and socialism in general, that's upper story. That is an area where we have envy and hatred. Mm. It, it, it actually started off way before trans. It started off in the socialist communistic movement where you identify class warfare, class warfare and that's, that's, this is just another form of class warfare. You identify in a, a minority group and you project hatred on anybody that is sure. not a part of that minority. Sure. But my question, I guess, is are we? Is that going too fast? Maybe. I'm, I'm hoping. I guess I'm hoping that that movement is, is advancing too quickly and will be rejected by society. We can only hope so. It's a question. It's like uh, the church is like a sleeping bear, and we need to wake it up. Amen. And because the, only injecting God back into these arenas uh, do we do we regain any hope of restoring, I guess, what we could loosely call Western civilization? That's right. That's right. Uh, as or we Ju know it. Judeo-Christian. Which was based on a Judeo-Christian worldview. That's it's, right. We have to get back to that level. We can't just talk about, oh, well, vaccines, mask mandates, COVID shots. We have to go all the way down to the basement. Yeah. Which is, and inject truth back into... And, of course, and the author of truth is God, Jesus the, Christ. Jesus Christ, who's the way, the truth, and the life. Let me ask you, though. Uh, do you see elements of atheism in the U.S. response and the world's response to COVID? 
Oh, absolutely, 100%. Uh, absolutely, because um, here's the irony. Christianity started science. When you remove Christianity, you lose science. Science can only exist with a Christian viewpoint, a, 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 a basement, a, a foundation. It doesn't happen immediately, but eventually you lose science. What do I mean by that? You have technology. You'll always have knowledge. You'll always have technology. You'll always have improvements in knowledge, improvements in technology. But if you don't have it the basement, God is made, uh, man is made in the image of God, you get utilitarianism. Mm. You're taking up too much space on the planet. For the good of the planet, Monty, we're going to have to move you off. <laughs> because, you know, you're, I do have you're, gray hair. You're, you're taking up too much space. <laughs> you, it, it, it becomes the old lifeboat uh, scenario. Hence where, like, who do we push off? Well, and hence the depopulation movement, right? Depopulation is a piece of it. Um, when you look at the, even the morality in the scientific community, uh, who's conducting true studies, who's falsifying their data. Mm. There's more and more evidence of manipulative practices. It's because we don't have any moral grounding. There is no good. There is no evil. And, and so the ends justify the means. The ends justify the means, and their ends do not have God in no, the picture. No, they don't. That's it. So, That's it. So there, and then we have, so you have monetary influence. We're doing this because... It's making us more money. We're, we, you know, we, it, it, we're doing this because it's for the good of the planet. We're, we, and we don't have, we're not doing it for your good. We're not doing it for the good of mankind. Yeah. So knowing all this, this is, is there anything we can do? How do we respond, Mark? So my response has been a verse that I'm sure you're very familiar with. If my people... If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves. Yes, there's four action steps. And I'm just going to say the action steps rather than quote the verse because sure. you can go back and find the verse. What is it again? First Chron or Second Chronicles? 714. 714. Right. It's a very well known throughout Christianity. Just remember that two times seven is 14. It'll, okay. It'll come to you. <laughs> that's, you that's the way I remember it. And he, God says to humble ourselves to pray, to seek his face, and to depart from our wicked ways. Turn away from our wicked ways. And if we put this into a New Testament context, what that means is we uh, humble ourselves. Now, that's, that's a controversial issue. We're here, you, you know what the opposite of humility is. Pride. Hmm. That's not so. Humility is not the popular. Uh, well, we celebrate agenda. pride for the whole month of June. <laughs> uh, yeah. So humility is not the popular um, action these days. Right. But that's what God calls that's us. That's what to God do. calls us to do. Yeah. We have to. In and humility. who humbled himself? Mm. But Jesus Christ left his throne room mm. and made himself of no reputation, is what the Bible says. Absolutely right. That's and he had no place. He said, "I have no place to lay my head." The Son of God had no place. Wow. The, the church needs, as Eric Metaxas says in his book, needs to come to its senses 
as the Christian church did in, under the leadership of Dietrich Bonhoeffer in World War II, and he needs to humble themselves because we are— But it was too late we are for Bonhoeffer. No, he fulfilled his purpose. He At one point, he left Nazi Germany, uh, went back to the America. They said, you know, we'll make you safe here. And as soon as he landed, he said, wow, I just did the wrong thing. So he went back, and he, he was there for his church. And uh, is Hitler around today? I think he, I think he fulfilled his purpose. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, but, um, All right, so we go back to the Second Chronicles, humble, pray. <laughs> Seek God and turn, and, and, and then what does he say after seek, that? And seek God means read his word. That's where you find him today. So yeah. read his word in the Bible. I recommend if you need a starting place, Gospel of John. Great starting place. It will get you instantly in contact with Jesus Christ. Amen. And then the next part is depart from your sinful ways. You know what? That's a natural consequence. That happens automatically once you have sought his face. Amen. If you come into a relationship with God, that that's what puts you on the right I, road. Isaiah six, right? What happened when Isaiah saw the glory of God? What mm-hmm. happened? He sought his face mm-hmm. and he said, "Woe is me! I'm right. a man he of felt, unclean lips." He fell on his face. Fell on his face. And, and so then we look at the three results. The three results are glorious. God hears us. What great news! Yes. He hears us. Amen. He forgives us. Again, this is an Old Testament verse, but we put it into the New Testament context. And we know how it works now. He forgives us. He, he, right. But he has revealed himself to a, such a greater extent. He forgives us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That is such an amazing, precious thing. And what happens last? He heals our land. So we all want to see our land healed. But we have to do the four action steps. And there's two things that happen first before we get to the land healing. We don't heal the land by electing the perfect president. We don't heal the land by, by uh, restoring medical freedom. We actually restore medical freedom by finding freedom in Jesus Christ. And then out of that comes medical freedom. Amen to that. Amen. So humble ourselves, pray, seek God, and turn from our wicked ways. That begins at the church, right, Mark? Absolutely. It has to start at our church. This is a corporate thing. It's not an individual. I mean, it works individually, too. Don't get me wrong. Right. Right? But this is a corporate thing because it's healing our land. Our land. Our churches have to realize we are not in neutral ground in science, medicine, politics, law, education when we kick God out. We are on the enemy's territory, and the enemy has those territories. We have to take the ground back. And we have to put, you know, does that mean homeschooling? Possibly. Private Get them out of government schools. Minimally get get them out out of government schools. Because government schools are... Indoctrinating our kids. That's what indoctrinated me. We're talking about 1974. It was bad in 1974. If you think it was bad then, (laughs) it's worse now. We got to put God back in medicine. We have to have doctors that say you're made in the image of God. And I'm going to make all my decisions on that basis. Mm. And then we have to have him back in politics. We can't be saying, oh, we, 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 we can't mention God. We can't be praying in, in public because we know the Constitution and the Bill of Rights says that, uh, you know, that strictly prohibited. The only Constitution that mandates separation of church and state 
is the USSR. <laughs> they were the only ones that had that. We have never well, had that. Well, the ACLU likes to lie and tell people that uh, the separation of church and state is in the Constitution, and, and it has a lot of people believing it, but it's mm. not in the Constitution. It certainly isn't. Nope. You brought up the election, and a lot of what you're saying sounds good to us, but when you're talking to voters, what should they look for uh, in the candidates? Uh, The the candidates for office are not going to be talking about science and God and science and God and medicine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, okay, here's my political litmus test. Yeah. If they're for a national government and not a world government. We want small government. Amen. Small government means big God. When you have when you kick out God, the state reigns. So your litmus test for does this candidate have a viewpoint that has God as the primary authority, that means the state is small. I love it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. It's very simple. That's good. All right. So you're, you're gonna be speaking, right? Yep. He's speaking at the Trinity Health Freedom Expo on October 14th, and his title is Dividing Truth, How We Lost Our Medical Freedom and How We Can Get It Back. If this, these two podcasts have been a blessing to you, you're going to want to go hear Dr. Zumhagen in person. And so, uh, and, and stay tuned. Hopefully, we're going to get a special forum with him for IFI to do some more on this because uh, there's so much more to it, right, Mark? I mean, you've we've, only touched the very tip of the iceberg. We've scratched the surface. Scratched the surface. So. Well, when you're not doctoring. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> you frequently portray our 16th president, Republican Abraham Lincoln. Uh, and he's memorized a lot mm-hmm. of, of his, his speeches. Yeah. And he's memorized, what, the Book of Philippians too, right? I've at one time done Romans, Philippians, Ephesians. Wow. So this guy's got a doggone good memory. I can't (laughs) memorize my phone number. (laughs) Um, Well, based on your studies of Abraham Lincoln, what would he be saying about medicine today? That's a good question. Uh, in, In all of his history, the only medical fact I came across for Abraham Lincoln was that he used to take a little blue pill which, which was, uh, which was common in the age. Uh, medicine at that time treated a lot of people with mercury, and uh, it was mercury. It was, it was being... mercury. Oh, that ain't good he for dis- you. He well, and he discovered it was creating changes in his personality. It, he would find that his temper was was altered. He wow. was like, well, he went he through was, depression. He right, but. And and rightly so with his with his children uh, dying, but um, uh, he gave up that pill. He gave up that pill because he did not like the effect. So my sense, just from that, is that Abraham Lincoln was a skeptic of medical care. One of my favorite uh, stories in the Bible, uh, told very interestingly by Mark compared to Luke. Have you remember the woman who had the unclean issue yes. and she touched Jesus's robe and he said, power went out from me, who touched me? And his disciples said, you're crazy. I mean, everybody's touching you. Luke says she had gone to a lot of doctors and really hadn't gotten any better. Right. Mark says 
Now Luke was the doctor, so I think he had a slightly biased uh, <laughs> viewpoint. But Mark lays it on the table. He says she'd seen many doctors and hadn't gotten better, and in fact had gotten worse. <laughs> and to me, I love Mark. I mean, that's my, my namesake anyway. But uh, to me, I think Mark is just like laying it out there, like medicine tries to do good, but lots of times we fall on our face. So you, you really do have to... Um, uh, you know, this one thing I learned from my mentor, Dr. Mira Eisenstein, you have to be skeptic, be skeptical. Um, you know, the famous dictum during COVID was follow the science. I, my famous dictum is find the science. <laughs> if you can possibly find the science, science is reliable, but you have to find it. And there's a lot of, uh, of uh, what they call uh, fake news out there. So you, you really have to delve... You know, um, again, the people I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, basically, COVID has helped us identify the medical professionals that are following the science. And I recommend following those that have had the, uh, like uh, Dr. McCullough, Peter McCullough is probably my, and, you know, Robert Kennedy has been excellent, um, Del Bigtree, uh, the highware. Those are the people that really do an amazing job of investigative reporting, and that's, that's where you find your science. Good. But Thank Abraham you. Lincoln, um, but I think, would have been a, a skeptic. Well, I think speaking, he, I think he would have been in, in good company with us, or we would have been in good company with him. And Abraham Lincoln was born at home, correct? And you delivered how many kids at home, babies? I've lost count, but it's a couple thousand. Couple thousand, mm -hmm. fantastic. So. Well, Mark, thank you so much for being with us today. It was my honor really and privilege, appreciate David. I thank you for, for interviewing me because it gets my juices flowing and <laughs> helps me figure out how to communicate to people. All right, good. Well, we'll have to seriously get think about doing a forum and maybe traveling the state. What do you think? I, I'm up for it. Okay. Good man. I think his stovepipe had us right over yeah, here. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, the fall's coming. Maybe the beard will come back. I don't know. We'll see. Well, it has been a great pleasure. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, October 14th. Yes. You go online. Trinity Health Freedom Expo. Google it and find it. And it's pretty um, reasonable. $25 a ticket for the whole weekend. Dr. Zumhagen was uh, kind enough to mention uh, Eric Metaxas, who's November going 3rd. to be our big yep. banquet speaker uh, November 3rd at the Bolingbrook Golf Club. We'd love to see you there. So yeah, Dr. Zumhagen, Zumhagen will be there, too. So if you want to 100%. say hello. Yep. 708-781-9328. You can call us. Go online at IllinoisFamily.org yep. and uh, click events. If you'd like to get IFI emails, go to IllinoisFamily.org. And uh, please tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, stay healthy, stay active, and God bless. And after the broadcast, Dave, I'm going to ask uh, the doctor how I can get rid of my belly fat. All right. <laughs> Have a great day. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.